Morning. You guys all right? Good week? Good. We were just saying in the earlier um, service, this is, uh, this is a good place to be, isn't it? God's on the throne still, isn't he? Jesus is sat at the right hand. The Holy Spirit's interceding for us. Did you know that? The Word says the Holy Spirit's interceding for us individually, for the plans he's got before you. Yeah? It's good. It's good news. We're a cheerful people. <laughs> With the hope in the future. And this is just a drop in the bucket, right? We've got thousands of years of this. You know, I was just reminded this week, we're talking about breakthrough, right? We're in a, we're in a 40 days of breakthrough series. Uh, this is week three. Uh, Phil was before John, and John was after Phil, and now I'm after John. Boom. And um, we've, been, we've, we've got these little cards. I always forget the little cards. We've got the little card, which uh, Phil knocked up. Well done, Phil. And... Uh, on the, back, on the back here, it's what you trust in God breakthrough for. Anybody, can I just have a quick show of hands if you trust in God for some breakthroughs this year? Wow. Same as the earlier service. Everyone put their hand up. So we're in the right room, right? So I want to just encourage you. All of this is a reminder that you'd be interceding and praying for your personal breakthrough and the breakthrough which we're trusting God for corporately, Right? And we've already had this uh, as an email address. We'll pop up now. Uh, we've got to work on that. Um, and then basically we're encouraging you just to send your, as we're trusting God for breakthrough, right, that you would email in the breakthroughs to this. We've already been having quite some cool uh, testimonies, especially like relational, family, family stuff breakthrough. Uh, family is saying that you know they haven't they've just been so kind of disbanded and God seems to be just bringing it all back together since they've been trusting God for a breakthrough we're hearing cool stories about marriages what's going on there as well so so let's really like dig in you know one of the keys biblically to breakthrough I think is thankfulness as well God loves thankfulness he talks about it through scripture. I think it's good that we're thankful continually. In fact, should, we, should we do that a minute? Is that right? We just thank the Lord? I think so, so often we just get through our week and we kind of arrive at a situation or we end up having breakthroughs after breakthroughs in the week and we haven't even stopped to acknowledge God. Can we stand together? Is that right? Just give God some thanks. That's what we're here for, right? And why don't we just thank God? We, don't, we just forget we're British for two minutes, right? You can speak out loud, it's all right. Um, yeah? But that's just thank God. And if you don't know what to thank God for, why don't you thank him for the breakthrough that he's already planned for you in advance, right? Let's do that a minute. Let's just be thankful. We've all got something to be thankful for, yeah? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the breakthrough in our midst. Thank you in the breakthrough and the plans you have for us. We thank you for the breakthrough in our children's lives and their children's lives. Amen. We're thankful people, right? Thanks, guys. I'd encourage you to carry that on in your, in your quiet times in the week. So have you guys heard of a guy called Malchus? Anyone? 
<laughs> Phil was here earlier. It's a guy that you don't often read about, but I just highlighted to me this week. So I quite like the story when Jesus is, well, it's a sad story, but this particular bit's quite exciting where, you know, they're coming after Jesus and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and in come uh, a whole troop of soldiers and they're being led by this guy who's uh, the high priest and the high priest's servant is this Malchus guy, right? And uh, they come up to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter jumps up overzealous, takes his sword out and chops off the guy's ear, right? And, um, and Jesus just, you know, says to Peter, no, this isn't, this isn't the plan, you know, this isn't the plan. And he touches the guy, the, the, the biblical account is he touched the guy and his ear was immediately restored. And um, what the cool thing with that is this, that, that that was an act which was deserving of the death penalty. And what happened when, when Peter struck the guy's ear off, in a, obviously with endless witnesses there he was he that's what he could have been up for you can't just be chopping off the high priest servant's ear right and what Jesus did by doing that was he eradicated all evidence all evidence that Peter had ever sinned do you hear where I'm going with this right that how he transgressed Jesus restored and by touching that guy's ear and restoring his ear if they were to take legal action against Peter and accuse him of doing wrong, there was nothing. There was no evidence. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us on that cross? Exactly what he did by his blood being shed for you. It put you in perfect standing with God, didn't it? Just, just like the guy on the cross next to Jesus. One was taunting him and the other one said to the other guy on the cross, you know, leave him alone, he is who he says he is, and acknowledge Jesus is who he says he was. And at that moment, Jesus said to him, what? This evening, we're going to walk into paradise together, you and me. I mean, I can't think of many more relieving words you'd hear hung on a cross with a few hours to live than the Son of God saying, don't you worry, this evening, you and me, paradise, right? And the point of me saying that is this, that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that, that atonement that has been made for you, that when you walk in to that, that place of, of standing before God, there is no sin, no, no, not one single transgression can be held against you because of what he did. And it's the same way that the Bible encourages us to walk into the throne room of God boldly. We can be expecting breakthrough boldly. We can be expecting the things we're trusting God for with all our hands up. And I know everyone's got an individual story here with an individual thing that they need individual breakthrough for. But those things have been paid for so we can walk in boldly and know that we are in the perfect position for breakthrough. Individually, as a church, and petitioning God for our nation, right? Because we're the people, because of Jesus, not that we're anything special, but we're really special to him. Because we're in that perfect place that there's nothing, that, and we need to, that religious horrible thing that says, do good, get, get good, do bad, get bad. That's not grace. 
Grace is we've accepted what he says and because of him we're in perfect standing with God. There's nothing I can do wrong to make God love me any less. And there's nothing more I can do to make him love me any more. I'm in perfect standing with God, in perfect righteousness because of what Jesus did. So I boldly can expect breakthrough. So my story today, what my, my uh, bit of the scriptures are, is to talk about Joshua and Jericho. And, the, and Jericho is, is, was a fortified city, um, and it was at the beginning of the, them entering the Promised Land. So let's just look at the scripture together, and, um, and I'll unpack the story a little bit. I was chatting, I was in the gym chatting to a couple of the young adults, and, and um, I, they said, what are you talking about this, this morning? I said, I'm talking about Jericho. You've got, you know the story of Jericho and Joshua. And they're like, no. You know, I realized when we were at school, my age group, I think, and older, we got, to, I don't know about the, well, I know the young we got told all these Bibles. Did you get told the Bibles? We got told them all, didn't we? And sadly, they've, they've ripped the, out the school system now, isn't it? It's kind of, we don't hear it anymore. So, like, even then, one wasn't a Christian. You knew who David and Goliath was. You knew Joshua and Jericho. You, know, you knew Noah. You knew Job, didn't you? But it's, it's, it's like now when you speak to younger people, they're like uh, stories you assume everyone, they don't know. Anyway, here's the story. Let's, let's have a look. The scriptures. I'm going to start off with Numbers 1. No, I'm not 13. You know what I need to do is put my glasses on. <laughs> Whoa. Where's your faith? Someone should pray for my eyes, right? So Numbers 13, 1 to 2. Right, here we go. This is what it says. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. For each of their fathers, tribes, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So what's happened here is this. Let me just unpack the story a little bit for you. They were under the oppression in Egypt, God's people. Moses led them out after quite a rigmarole with old Pharaoh. He eventually let the people go, right? under duress, and uh, even after he let them go, he decided to chase after them and kill them. But that didn't work, because he parted the Red Sea, didn't he? We know this bit? And they went over the Red Sea. And, um, and then they got into to the wilderness a bit, didn't they? And God said to them, I'm going to give you a promised land. And actually, the wilderness which they walked in for 40 years, because of their disbelief, and their grumbling and their complaining and their lack of thankfulness and rebelliousness to God, they stayed in the wilderness, which was only actually an 11-day walk out of the wilderness, but they stayed there for 40 years because of their nonsense. So what's happened is, when they got there, Moses said, get 12 spies from each tribe, 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to take a spy from each one of the tribes, and we're going to send them to spy out the land, and then they're going to come back and give a report to Israel, which should have been super encouraging, and everyone should have been high-fiving each other, and everyone should have been expecting that this is really going to be a good year. But that's not quite what happened. And so we read the next scripture... In Numbers 14, 24, it said this, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. So what happened was this. The 12 spies came back, and they said this. It truly is a land of milk and honey. There's grapes the size of, I don't know, 
footballs and the figs on the tree and everything's looking amazing. It's truly a land of milk and honey. It's brilliant. It's just as you said. But there's giants in the land. And we heard John talk about David and Goliath last week. The Nephilim and the giants, they're like nine foot tall warriors. They dwarfed us. They were going to be crushed. And the people grumbled and the people complained. And they said, you know what? This was a real bad plan. In fact, we're so cheesed off with this whole rigmarole that it would actually be better if like Moses and Aaron were dead and they were out of the way. And in fact, we get new leaders who are not going to lead us into a place we're going to be crushed. And in fact, it would actually be better if we go back and become slaves. That's what disbelief does, right? But, but Joshua and Caleb, those two guys, they had a different spirit. Small s, not Holy Spirit. The different character. And their character was this. God said it, it's going to happen. Because we don't trust in ourselves. And this motley bunch, I'm not saying that as a new lot, but we're trusting in God. And God said, these guys have got the right attitude. They were the, the, the half full rather than the half-empty guys, right? Right? The guys of belief, the guys who trusted in God, the guys who weren't going to trust in their own, they're not looking at their own means to break through and their own resources to break through. They're looking at the resources of the kingdom of God for breakthrough. And because of that, they're of a different spirit. Their faith was, I don't care what I'm seeing in the natural I'm going after what God shows me in the supernatural because he's a supernatural God. And I'm not going to be able to attain supernatural breakthrough trying to operate in the natural. Right? Are you? Anyone? And because of that, Joshua and Caleb did enter in to the promised land. And the guys who grumbled and the guys of disbelief and the guys who doubted God... Over the course of the 40 years, all of them, the word tells us, perished and died. And they didn't inherit the promise. They didn't inherit the breakthrough. They didn't inherit what God's already said. He said to them, I've given it to you. You've just got to take it in faith. Phil spoke about it. He said faith spelled R-A-S-K. And we were at another, another conference and it was spelt T-R-Y. T-R-Y. Why don't we try God? Why don't we test God? Why don't we step out in faith and try this thing? What's the worst can happen? It's the worst. Fail? We've all done that before, right? It's just me. Okay. Let's read the next scripture. Joshua 6, 1 to 5. So here's the story of Jericho, right? So now Jericho, a fortified city with high walls, was tightly closed up because of the people's fear, because God, like he said, had gone before them, and it was already a done deal, of the sons of Israel. No one went in or came out. The Lord said to Joshua, See, here's the promise, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the mighty warriors. Now you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once, You shall do this once, once a day for six days. Also, seven priests will carry seven trumpets made of ram's horn ahead of the ark. 
Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall cry out with a loud shout, a battle cry, the Amplify says, and the walls of the city will fall down in its place, and the people shall go up, each man going straight ahead, climbing over the rubble. So here's the deal. <clears throat> they arrive, so they cross, they've gone through the Red Sea, they've come to the Jordan. It was the second miracle because the Jordan was uncrossable and God actually stopped the water again for the second time and they all travelled over into the Promised Land and then they came across Jericho and Jericho was a walled city with huge 28-foot towers and 13, 18-foot walls. It was impenetrable, impenetrable, and God said to them, what I want you to do is not get a battering ram or get some ladders built or build a few catapults. No. God says, what we're going to do is we're going to get everyone assembled and we're going to march around the city. We're going to do it every day. And we're not going to say a word. And then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times and we're all going to scream in a battle cry and job done. Now, I think I would have been like, Seriously? Have these guys heard right? Here we are faced with the biggest fall on the map, on the globe, historically. And we are going to have a shout and a cheer and job done. Because we read that Joshua waited on God for a strategy. And I'd say, knowing that we're in the right place to break through, I think a really key point is in all the breakthroughs we're trusting God for, is what's your strategy for your breakthrough? What is it? Have you asked God? Have you inquired of God? Have you, have you spent time to say to the Lord, this breakthrough that I'm trusting you for, or this breakthrough I'm trusting you for in my family, or my friend's family, what's the strategy because the Bible says to us in um, Ephesians 6, it says this, for our struggle, our struggle, your struggle, my struggle, is not against flesh and blood, contending with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. And we, we can read quite an epic battle in, in, um, in Daniel, in, in Daniel chapter 10, where he was interceding for his country, and Archangel Michael we hear about, who heads up the, the warfare side of things, and he took him 21 days, he reported to Daniel, to break through, to get to him, to help him. So the scripture's really clear. The problem is we're so used to especially in England with our British stiff upper lip, we're so used to dealing with the natural. But here, this book's full, full, someone say full, of supernatural actions which preceded supernatural breakthrough for his people. Because our fight isn't against 
flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers and principalities. And we need to learn to equip ourselves to deal with these things. But before we do that, we need to hear, like Joshua did, for a godly strategy to overcome and head us into breakthrough, right? That's what we need. And then once we've got this strategy, the tricky bit, the uncomfortable bit, the bit of discomfort is a thing called faith. Because often to step out in faith, it's uncomfortable, right? Isn't it? It's a bit of discomfort stepping out and doing weirdish things. Because often God will say to do things which in the natural to us we just wouldn't have done. I remember in, in South Africa, my, I went into the office one day and the bookkeeper lady who worked for us, she was also in the church, came to us and said, um, I just need to say to you guys that in the way sales have gone, in three months' time, you're going to have a £5,000 a month deficit, which in South African rand was, was quite a chunk of money. And unless you can increase your turnover by £5,000 a month starting next week, you're going to have serious problems, you're going to be like, going to need to let some staff go. And we went into a bit of a panic mode at first. And then I said to my partner there, Peter, I said, that's just, why don't we just see what God wants to do? And as soon as we said that, we both felt God said, turn the phones off and just go and pray. So it was difficult because you're in fix-it mode, right? Because we need to fix it. And I remember I, we went to, I went to the secretary, I said, don't put any calls through to us just till we say. And we prayed for about five minutes. And after five minutes of prayer, it was so memorable, five minutes of prayer which started off with a bit of a frantic prayer we just felt I looked at Peter and he said to me I'm feeling we're done and I'm like that's funny I did as well I thought we were going to so he said put the phones back on as soon as I said put the phones back on the phone rang and she's going to put the call through I said put the call through I remember picking up the phone and he goes hi is that Lance I said yeah he goes oh it's Davilia Smith here was like this crazy millionaire family in the town he says we were just having a conversation and wondered could we starting on Monday buy £5,000 a month of your business to give you that cash every month, month on month. Five minutes of prayer. But in the natural, we're on all guns fix it. You can't outmaneuver. You can't outmaneuver God. No one can outmaneuver God. And I was just, what was highlighted to me in my preparation on, on breakthrough, and I was, listening, I was watching some of the greats, is the this thing called discomfort. And the more I started looking at discomfort, I kept just highlighting it to me. I really felt that we underestimate the value of discomfort in our faith. That discomfort leads to some really crazy good things and crazy good testimonies. And that in our culture, we're really quick, aren't we? If I feel uncomfortable, I want to move myself into a place of comfortableness. I don't want to step myself out there. I don't know, maybe I need to lay down certain things in my life, but they're comfortable to me. Maybe I need to be, be asking God, what are the things that I need to lay down because I want to move into your breakthrough and your calling and your plans and your purposes and, and this, this, this feels a bit, I'm supposed to be in your will, but it's feeling a bit, bit of a discomfort. 
And then I was thinking of, I was thinking of the guys who we read stories to our children of in Scripture, guys like Noah. And um, here's a guy who God says, I want you to build a Titanic on dry land in the middle of nowhere because I'm going to flood the world. And the best of theologians, to the best of them, there's some debate, but they all agree it's between 52 and 75 years it took to build that ark. Him and his family building an ark on dry ground. Don't tell me that wasn't uncomfortable. Don't tell me fulfilling God's plan and purpose for their family, for their breakthrough, building a boat on dry land in the middle of nowhere wasn't weird. And their kids, could you imagine their kids coming home? Dad, we look mental. We're building a boat on dry land. All my mates say we're in some kind of an occult here. Yeah? No, son, we're going to finish building the boat, and then guess what? God's going to bring animals two by two into it, and they're all going to get on, and we're going to sail off into the sunset, and that's the plan. That's uncomfortable, right? There's a tension of uncomfortableness, but there's value in discomfort. Sometimes I think, and I think of me personally and friends of mine personally, some of the biggest breakthroughs have come from a place or even a platform of discomfort. And then you look at Abraham, the grandfather of the faith, right? Here he is with his son Isaac. We all know the story. He's going to sacrifice his own son in faith. That's faith, right? And then he gets told he's going to, have, he's going to be this amazing nation. And he's 75 years old. And his wife laughs like, well, how are we going to have kids at our age? Disbelief again, right? Disbelief. And what happened? That's fixed the problem in the flesh. Forget what God's saying. And they have, a, they have a, another son, don't they? Before Isaac, called Ishmael. And that didn't end so good. It's still a bit of a problem. Right? The discomfort in waiting. We don't like to wait. We don't want to be patient. Everything's got to be quick fix, isn't it? Quick food, quick answers, quick everything. But God's like, I'm so much more interested in your character than your comfort. Isn't he? Because we're called to be Christ-like. And that's a bit of an uncomfortable process for our flesh. We don't want to be, you know, these people irritating us. Let's move out. This is annoying me. Let's change it. This is uncomfortable. Let's not do it. That's comfort our stuff with stuff we know isn't really God's A plan, but it feels great. Do you want the breakthrough? Do you want want to attain the things God has for you? I, I mean, sometimes there's a cost, right? There is. And that is grace, because God's things are amazingly better than we could ever put together. Then you look at Joseph, right? Look at old Joseph. Then he's there having dreams, and then um, he's, he's, he has two dreams, and he goes to his brothers. You know what brothers can be like? And he says, look, you know, I've had these dreams, and basically you're all bowing down. His brothers are like, what? And then he's... And then his brothers, I mean, they get hectic and they're like, we're going to kill him. Imagine your brother saying that. You're going to kill him and put him in a pit. He's 17 years old and they sold him into slavery. But God's just given him this, God's, thank you, God's just given him this, this ridiculous 
dreams, supernatural dreams, two of them. He tells his brothers, he said, I bet he's thinking his brothers are going to be like, yeah, that'd be great. We'd all love to worship you, Joseph. But no, they sell him to slavery. That's rough. 17 years old, and then he goes from slavery, then he's in a prison. And then he's, right, then he's out, then he's wrongly accused, and he's in a world of pain again. But then at 30, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And then you know the story. His brothers, unbeknown, they come and they need the help. And then you look at David that, that John talked about last week. Here's, here, here's King David now. The prophet comes along to him and he says to him, King David, and then he says, um, No King David in the cave? Hey! So here's old David in the cave, right? So, 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 so he comes along, the prophet, and he says, this guy's going to be king. And the next thing, we're, we're in the battle of Goliath. And he has a great victory, and he's promised riches, and the, 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 the king's daughter. And then the next thing was going on is the same king's coming after to kill him because he's envious and jealous. I mean, that's a place of discomfort, right? There's real value in discomfort. And it might not be a popular message saying, possibly the key to your breakthrough is embracing the discomfort and asking God, what have you got for me in this discomfort, this uncomfortable position, but I want to attain and learn from and have you shape my character because I know you're more interested in my character than my comfort. And like Phil and I say when we do the discipleship, with the younger guys, we say, you know, that the, the fruit's grown in the valleys, in the troughs, right? Not always the, the mountaintops. There's great learning there. There's great character development there. There's great hearing from God there. There's great strategizing with God there. How to get out of this to this breakthrough. Amen? <laughs>